Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. Well, good morning. Merry Christmas. I've been battling a, um, a little upper respiratory thing. Kids were so nice to give me for Christmas this year. My kids at school. So uh, maybe after the meeting, you don't want to get too close to me. If I hack up a lung while I'm up here, you're going to have some grace this morning, aren't you? I haven't really talked much over the last few days, so I've been saving my voice for this morning. Would you have known any different, right, just listening to me now? No, maybe, I don't know, maybe not. Well, I'm excited. Let me tell you, this is my favorite Sunday of the year to preach. I know some of you are going, well, it, doesn't everything hinge on Easter? Doesn't everything hinge on what happened on the, uh, on the cross? Yeah, it does in terms of Christianity, but there, I don't know, there's just something so sacred about this time of the year and what, everything that we're celebrating. Isn't everyone just nicer? Everyone's in the Christmas spirit, December 26th, that dissipates and everyone goes back to life as normal. But at least for now, right, you kind of feel that. Well, you can see here's the title of, our, um, of the message this morning, A Baby Changes Everything. Right? Isn't that the truth? And before, though, I get into my message, uh, honey, I'm going to grab that clicker right next to you. I just wanted to let you know, I don't do this a lot, but I'm letting you know, this is the uh, message that I'm actually going to be preaching next week as we enter into the new year, 2019. I have a visual sermon, put a lot of time into this over the last few months, going to be a lot of things on the stage, uh, something to kick us into right, our 2019 year, and the title of that message is going to be Exit Strategy. I really hope that you'll come out for that. It's not going to be a normal kind of message, but I think it's something just that God has put on my heart, and I want to share with the church. And after that, if I could just throw one more out there, I'm going to get back to our Back to the Future series, which I stopped a few weeks ago. So I'll get back into that. How many of you, you mind, I mean, I have you for, I got up here early today, so I'm in no rush. So you better get comfortable in your seat today. And we're going to have some fun in here today. We're going to have some fun. That's right. I don't care what's going on after church and all the food that you have to eat. That's going to wait for a few minutes. How many of you have followed what's going on in the news? Have you seen that with President Trump and we're pulling out of Syria? You would not believe. Remember I told you and we looked at Ezekiel 38 in the Gog and Magog war that we're not a part of that? Isn't it amazing how things are lining up with biblical prophecy? It's incredible. Wow. So this, it's a time that we really need to look at what the Bible has to say and things that are happening in the world. But this, these aren't, you know, this isn't just, you know, everything is normal and it's just doing the same old thing. We're entering just another year and life is great. Now we need to really be aware of the times in which we live. So we're going to get back to that in a couple of weeks and I'm excited about that. I'm going to start with a question this morning. You ready for the question? You're going to ask Someone next to you, you're going to fill in the blank on this. If I could change one thing about myself, it would be blank. But wait a second. I did not say if I could change one thing about you, you're not going to say that it is Christmas time, family time. I don't want people to leave here today angry with each other. So one thing, you tell the person next to you, I don't know, tell the person that looks better looking that's next to you, one thing that you would like to change. Go ahead. You can lie if you want to. I don't know. You don't have to take it too serious. 
That's it. Some of you are like telling way more than one thing. You think you're on Santa's lap right now. You are not on Santa's lap. I said one thing. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that when you look at that word change, right? Change. If the, if the Christmas story is about nothing, it's about change. And I think every single year it's how do we take a story, the same story, but how do we, as preachers, how do we give it a, 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 you know, some fresh perspective you know, as we walk out of here? And I would think as we look at change, do you know that all change is not created equal? How many of us know that? All change is not created equal. And sometimes it's nice because we can initiate change, right? Can we initiate change? We can make the change, whether it's we want, maybe we want to change our job or maybe change where we live. Maybe certain things we can initiate. But there are times in life when we don't get to make those changes. We don't get to make those calls. Don't you wish that change would announce its arrival well ahead of time? How many of you think that would be pretty nice if you lived in a world and change all the time would let you know when it's coming down the pike? And there are changes, I mean, you look at the world, like, uh, you look at the weather, just look at the weather patterns. You look at the changes. How interesting is it? Even living here, not just in the South. I mean, I know in the South, on a day like today, you wake up and maybe it's 40, 50 degrees, and by the afternoon, right, you're ready, it's cold, but in the afternoon, you're ready to rock a t-shirt, and it's like 70 degrees. Well, I don't know, two days ago, I walked outside, and it was 60 degrees, right? It's crazy. The weather's nuts. And yes, there are different seasons in terms of the weather, but how many of you know there are different seasons of our lives? And there are different, everyone in here is in a different season. We're all in different seasons. But how many of you know we can experience different seasons simultaneously in our lives? What do I mean by that? Well, I mean you could be doing really well when it comes to your job. And, you know, everything is on the up and up. Things are going really well, but things aren't going so well at home. Things maybe are going well at home, but they're not going well in terms of our friendships. So we could be experiencing different changes at different times. Now there are different categories. There's good change and there's bad change. And then there's, listen, there's what we think is bad change at the outset but then as time goes on, what do we notice? Man, that was grueling. That seemed like torture. I don't know how I made it through. But now that I'm on the other side of it, I see that it was actually good. I see what I feel the Apostle Paul saying in Romans 8.28, that all things work together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. But it doesn't look that way in the beginning, Right? And there is some change that is just bad. Some change is bad, but then there is some change that is just good. Can we play a little game right now for a second? I'm going to play you a sound. This is kind of like name that tune. See if you can remember this sound. Put your hand up when you remember this sound. Go ahead. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. How many of you remember that? If you're under 20 years old, maybe you don't know this sound. 
That is a dial-up modem. Dial-up modem. Remember the days when you wanted to go on the internet and you had to tell your parents or you had to tell your spouse to get off the phone line because I'm going to need it for 30 minutes? You remember those days? How many of y'all remember when you got that AOL disc in the mail and you got the free 40 hours? You remember that? How many of you remember a screen name that you came up with, but you can't say it in church today, right? You remember those days? How many of us would say Wi-Fi is a good change? If you say no, are you kidding me? Now, my nine-year-old this morning, you're here. It's the first sermon he's ever listened to his dad preach, right? Somebody asked him, is your dad a good preacher? He's like, I, I don't know. I've never got to hear him speak. So he's judging me right now. This kid, though, this morning, it was the Wi-Fi. So it was wacky, and it wasn't working well, and he didn't know what to do. And I'm like, dude, really? And I'm thinking it like this. And I said, wait till the sermon this morning, because it's going to talk right to you, pal. We didn't have Wi-Fi when we were your age. <laughs> Different world. But listen... Good change. And then there is big change and there's small change, right? And then there are small changes that can make a huge difference. Texting somebody the other day, don't you love auto spell on your phone? How many of you love auto spell? So I'm sending somebody a message and I, 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 quick, keep me posted, whatever it was, right? Keep me posted. And my phone was nice enough to change it to keep menopause. (laughs) Now, Menopause, that could have went to the wrong person. <laughs> Think about that. Menopause is a, is a big change. Big change. I'm going to get myself out of that, but you get the point, right? You get the point. I'm not a woman. God bless you women in here. I mean, but there, so there are big, excuse me. <clears throat> there are big changes and there are small changes. There are permanent changes. There are temporary changes. You know, there's the change for right now, and then there's maybe change someday. You know, I'm going to change that someday down the road. That's kind of how I live in a house that I really can't fix anything, and I'm always like, someday I'm going to fix that thing on the house. My wife's in the front row going, yup, yup, that's right. Amen. Right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Someday down the road, maybe I'll fix things. And then there's hard change, and there's easy change. And in case you didn't know, this whole Christmas story is kind of, it kind of revolves around the birth of a child. Ladies, heart change, easy change, given birth. Really? That was, that was the response I get? That was the weakest response? I was not expecting that. I was expecting an honest response. Yeah, you're tough. We're not questioning your toughness. We couldn't do that. You're tougher than we are. I get that. Right, man, I told you, we said it last week. We don't do anything when guys always say, we're having a baby. No, you're not. She's doing all the work. You're just hanging out. I said last week with the ice chips, you're hanging out with your phone. You do nothing else. We do nothing else. Hard, hard work. And I think, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, when you look at the Christmas story too, I think when it comes to change, I think so many of us, you know what we want? Can I be honest this Christmas? I think we want our circumstances to change, but we don't want to change. I could stop preaching right now. I just preached a whole lot in one sentence. We want our circumstances to change, but we don't want to change. And the Christmas story is about 
change inside of our lives. Do you know that this God that we're here, that we worship around in Jesus Christ, when he came to the earth, we're talking about a change from the inside out. That there's another life that lives on the inside of us and it wants to take over every part of our being. That's the gospel. Change, change, change. And I think about the Christmas story too, and I think about Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing? I did a sermon some years ago. I want to do it again, maybe, maybe change it up a little bit. But the difference that Jesus Christ has made in this world, the difference he's made in this world, one of my just personal favorite, I love history. So to look at all of the changes, we reckon time by his birth, B.C. and A.D., just the birth of Jesus Christ today well, two days from now, you know what I mean, we're celebrating it here, but it's enough to cause traffic jams in New York City, in London, in all different places across the globe. Whose birth could do that but Jesus Christ? We take it for granted. How crazy is that? Crazy. Can we, and can we talk about these two? Can we back up from the, from the manger? Can we back up this morning from the manger? Is that all right? And can we look at the two heroes of the story? Can we look at Joseph and Mary? Can we look at this? You know, scholars say, and I've preached on this before, and I've done whole sermons on Mary, but just to remind you, scholars believe she's between the ages of 12 and 15 years old when she gives birth. She's young. A lot of these Christmas movies and stories, they make her out to be much older, but she's a young girl. And a change is coming, a change that will revolutionize the world. And she doesn't know it. Nobody asked Mary, hey, Mary, young girl in ancient Palestine, do you want to be the one to bring the Savior into the world? She was never asked. But let's look at these two. Can we start? If you have your Bibles, I'm going to be in two different spots today. I'm going to hit you where the angel visits Joseph. We're going to look at Joseph first. Isn't Joseph an underrated character in the Bible? <laughs> Isn't he an underrated character? He, come on, he is. We always look at Mary. I, listen, Mary, you're the, Mary is the star, but Joseph is pretty amazing in his own right. Let's give Joseph a little love this morning. Yeah, 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 right? Give him a little love. Yeah, some of you are like, I'm not clapping for that. That's all right. You can be, you can be stuffy if you want. And in chapter 1, we're going to start, in, I'm going to go verses 18 through 25. So if you have a Bible, I want you to follow along. You ready? Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, a righteous man, in Hebrew it's a sadiq, a man that is well-respected and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child 
and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Did anybody know that was written? That is Isaiah 7:14, and that was written 700 years ago before Jesus was ever born into the world. There are over 50 prophecies in the Old Testament pointing to this one, Jesus Christ, the Messiah that would be born into the world. So the next time you tell me the Bible is a bunch of fables and fairy tales, how come it would prophesy so many different times and ways that this would come to fruition? Just saying. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. No, 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 I didn't skip that part. All right, and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. And I kind of love this because it talks about, in the story here, Joseph, after he considered everything, Joseph, after he sat down and did all of the math, he looked at this and he says, I'm going to take Mary home. Do you know Joseph who he is? Come on, can, we, can we talk about it? Real? Can we be real this morning with these characters? Because Joseph is the guy that had to tell his friends, yo, yo, Mary, my girlfriend is pregnant. I didn't get her pregnant. God did. <laughs> Joseph, don't let her do you like that. Joseph. Are you serious, Joseph? You're really going to believe this? And Joseph has to sit there and Joseph has to no, 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 really, I'm telling you the truth. It was an angel. An angel came. I mean, Joseph, we need to get you some help, man. How come we skip past this part? How come we don't think and imagine they had parents, Joseph and Mary. They had friends. What do you think the friends said? Oh, this happens every day. Oh, that's wonderful news. It happened again. Really? Come on! That's not what happened here in this story. Now, the text tells us that Joseph had a dream, right? And he's aroused from his sleep, and he did just as the angel commanded him to do. I'm sorry, but if that was me, I've had some crazy dreams before. I'm not giving Mary the benefit of the doubt. He must have really loved Mary Cliff. He gave her the benefit of the doubt. I don't know if I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt on this one. And by the way, this wasn't like they dated for three years. This is an arranged marriage. They didn't know each other that well yet. So for him to trust, to trust God and to trust Mary, I mean, listen, maybe if there was a paternity test and they brought Maury, if the angel was Maury Povich, then maybe, maybe I'd be up there with some divine DNA. Don't get religious on me this Christmas. Maybe there was some divine DNA on that baby then maybe I'm going to believe, but come on, what a stretch to believe this. This is crazy. He doesn't know Mary that well. He didn't find Mary on jewishsingles.com. He didn't swipe for Mary. You better, come on, you better start getting comfortable. This is, come on, you can have a little fun looking at the story here. They didn't know each other that well. It's amazing that he trusted her and he gives God the benefit of the doubt and he gives Mary the benefit of the doubt. But I think I have a bad version of the Bible. Does anybody have a Bible in here? You have like a physical Bible in here? Somebody have, you have a physical Bible in here. Got one. What, yo, some people are, Cliff, let me, let me see your Bible, Cliff. What do you got? What's, what's your, let me see your Bible. This looks like a good one. That Bible up there, uh, Mother Teresa signed my Bible. Anybody sign your Bible? Did anybody sign your Bible? Anybody what? Sign your Bible? No. 
Your Bible's a little bit bigger than mine, but I like mine better. But your Bible's okay. Let's see. Now, I want to see, because maybe my Bible doesn't have the story right. Then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not... No, no, this, your Bible's wrong too, because you know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for the part in the Bible where the angel gave Joseph proof. Because I don't see that. My Bible doesn't have it, and your Bible doesn't have it. Does anybody else have a Bible? Can I see your Bible? Your Bible looks a little nicer. I mean, you're a woman, so maybe Cliff's Bible is falling apart, but your Bible is not. No, 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 no. Your, Your Bible's wrong, too. This Bible's wrong, too, because your Bible... And my Bible, they don't tell me how Joseph felt. How did Joseph feel in the story? It tells me that Joseph took Mary home and he believed the angel and he believed God. There was no sign in the sky. No, really, this is God's baby at their divinity reveal party. I don't see any of that in the text. And by the way, I got to throw this in there. How crazy people got to watch on Facebook these the revealing the gender identity parties, the lengths that people go to for this stuff. I mean, it's crazy, but we don't see any of this in the text. It's just the voice of God speaking to Joseph and Joseph goes through with it. And here's what God, here's, here's one of the messages in this. You ready for this? You ready for this? How come preachers don't talk about doubt? Just got quiet. Where's he taking this? In church, we're not supposed to talk about doubt. I didn't put it up here. Did you know in the New Testament, there is a book, it's called Jude. So if you want to fight me on this, you're going to lose. Don't come up to me after because you're not going to win the battle. Trust me, I'm going to crush you. Okay? There, it's, it's one chapter. And in verse 22, it says that we are supposed to be sensitive with people who doubt. We are not supposed to attack them, but we are all really doubters. And I think when we come to church, sometimes we're told that we're not supposed to have any doubts. How many of you are with me? We're not supposed to doubt. We're supposed to believe with certainty. And we think the opposite of faith is doubt. Did you just hear what I said a lot? The opposite of faith is not doubt. But that's been a message that has been, been, been preached from pulpits all around the world. That the opposite of faith is doubt. And you have to believe everything. And you have to be certain. And you cannot doubt. I had a friend at work, not a Christian. And this guy knows I'm a minister. And this guy said to me, man, you know what? I, I really envy you. Because I see you and you have tremendous faith. But me, I'm just kind of a skeptical guy. I've always been skeptical by nature. And I just wish I could be like you and have faith to believe. And I wanted to tell the guy, listen. I said a little bit. And I was trying to like, you know, do the pastor kind of thing, but be cool about it. And I was like, dude, everyone has doubts. Is it okay that the dude that is speaking to you on December 23rd, 2018 has some doubts? Is that okay? Do you need to go to another church? 
It's okay if you do, but I'm just being honest and keeping it real on this Christmas. I have doubts too. We don't talk about that though. We're not supposed to talk about that in church. And you know, it's interesting too. You know, sometimes it's easy when I'm insulated and I can stand behind this and I can stand behind this stand or I can stand here with a microphone. But when I'm sitting in a doctor's office this past summer and I'm given a diagnosis, my wife and I, and my wife has to hold me up at the end of it. I have my doubts sometimes. God, why does this happen? What's going on? How am I supposed to handle this? Why did this happen to me? I serve you. Blood, sweat, tears. Why did this happen? I doubt just like you do. But you know what? I don't let my doubts, if they lead me to dead ends, I say, you know what? I'm going to keep moving because I know that there are promises on the other side of my doubts. I know who my God is. I know who my God is. We stand at the dead end of a destiny God wants to bring us into, but we won't walk through the doubt to get to the promise. God says, you got to walk through the doubt sometimes. Doubt, questions, questions. And so many people, I read some stories this week. Now I'm just moving away from my notes. I read stories this week. Brad Pitt, I was reading about Hugh Jackman, just two names that you would know. Big actors, right? And they grew up in the church both in really strong Christian families. Did you know that? And they both talked about how constricting their faith was and they were not allowed to ask questions. Parents, I'm telling you, this Christmas, you better be parents that let your kids have their questions and their doubts. And this is a church where you're allowed to question things. We read this story about a virgin birth and we clap and we cheer about it. But there are some people that came in here today and they're skeptical about it. And you know what? Welcome. We're glad to have you this morning. Glad to have you. This is not the answer club. This is not the answer club. And I think sometimes that's what we think church is. That we're supposed to have all the answers. This is not the answer club and we do not have all the answers. I lay my life down and believe what Jesus Christ did on that cross. I believe he was resurrected three days later. Listen, we get so caught up with certain dogma and doctrine. And doctrine is important. Don't hear me. It's very important. But at the end of the day, it's about faith in a person. Jesus Christ. But have your doubts. Have your questions. Because I do, and I look at my doubt. You know what I look at my doubt as? Windows of opportunity. It's opportunity for us to build our faith. Do you know where faith really develops? You want, you, did you, wait, you want me to just give the funny Christmas message and just keep it? You want, you, should I keep going with this? Yeah, okay. Because it's interesting. Do you know where faith really develops? It develops in the dark room. When you have to produce something and it's dark in the valley, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. We can walk through valleys and we can walk through darkness. But God says, this is where I'm building your faith. Building our faith. Can I say something? I only get you skeptics here. I don't get you that much. So can I talk to you? Can I just talk real like it's just... The two of us having a conversation. There is a philosopher. He passed away a couple of years ago. 
He was the head of philosophy at UC Berkeley. His name is Dallas Willard, somebody that has mentored me. I never met the dude, but he's somebody my mom introduced me to him. Pastor Linda introduced me to him some years ago, and he's had a profound impact on my life. Can I show you what he says about doubt? He says, if you're going to be a doubter, be sure to doubt your doubts as well as your beliefs. You know what? Yeah, yeah, you can clap for that. You should like that. Clap for that. Because you know what? We live in the age of doubt. We live in the age of skepticism. And he goes on to say he was so sick of the fact that we live in a day where if you're a skeptic and you don't believe, you're not a believer, that you're held in higher esteem in society. Well, it's high time for people that do not believe, and I'm sorry, I'm talking to you, but if you don't believe, to understand that we as Christians, that there is not a suspension of disbelief as I walk in this place, and the Bible passes the historicity test, and listen, I've been to Israel, and I've seen some of the archaeology, there is real history to back up things that the Bible talks about, it's not fables, and it's not fairy tales, it's the truth, it's the truth. You know, it's wild too. There's another, can I give you another guy? I wasn't going to give you this, but this is extra because I really like you. All right. There's another, there's another guy. He's a Christian philosopher and he goes up and he debates people that are really smart, much smarter than me. I got to read his stuff like 10 times. Maybe some of you wouldn't have to read as much, but I'm not that smart. And his name is Ravi Zacharias. And Ravi talks about, he says, you know what we're criticized for too as Christians? We always get criticized for secondhand faith. That we, like I'm a pastor's kid, so I'm steeped in the Christian tradition, right? And that I'm only a Christian because my parents were Christians and I've never really thought about the faith. And in some cases, that's actually true, right? That's a fair criticism. That's a fair critique. But if that is the case, how come we don't look at people that doubt and go, you know what? You're a secondhand doubter because you heard from somebody else about something that's in the Bible that you have never read before. So the next time you want to criticize the Bible, the next time you want to criticize my faith, at least take a little bit of time to look at it and say, you know what? I've come to an educated decision on this because I have done the research. Secondhand doubt. I guess I came to give you an apologetic sermon this morning. But listen, God, listen, I was dying to get in here and talk about this. Do you know what? You do not have to be absolutely certain on everything within Christianity. And there are people that die and go to heaven and they're not certain and they have questions. And there are people, can can, can can they handle this, Pastor? Do you think they can handle it? I don't know if you can handle the truth, but I'm going to give you the truth Jack Nicholson style because there are a lot of people that are so certain and they're going to hell too. I'm a preacher. This is my job. If I don't say it, I don't say it, but I'm giving you the truth. I'm just saying as a preacher, I'm kind of done with getting attacked all the time that we don't really think for ourselves. And that we're not educated. That couldn't be any further from the truth. There are some really smart people that have debated some of the greatest atheists that are sitting on this planet today and have won. And listen, I'm not disparaging science because there's been a convergence. And I wish I brought this in today. The largest study that has been done, and I'm going off the top of my head. I didn't memorize this. But it was 12 million scientists, they say, are in the country. And they said almost 2 million of the 12 million are actually Christians, espouse Christian beliefs enough to fit in the city of Houston, Texas. There are a lot of Christian scientists and there's more of a convergence. Please hear me, science people. 
I got to get back to my real message. I got to get back to it. So let's move. And, and listen, Joseph died. Bottom line, did Joseph have some doubts? The text doesn't tell us. You can be religious if you want and think that's not true, but then you're not human. Because he had some doubts. Unequivocally, I think Joseph in the story had some doubts and it was difficult for him to understand some things. How many of us in here, it's difficult for us maybe this Christmas to, to accept some things? And God's asking us this year, I'm looking for you to, to accept some things even though you're not 100% certain. You can't, listen, if you're on the fence and you want to take the plunge and you're saying, you know what, I think I'm ready. That's good because you're never going to be totally certain. C.S. Lewis said that. You're never going to have total, absolute certainty. You got it. Everything is a leap. And listen, if, you, can I, if you're an agnostic, if you're a secular humanist, if you're an atheist, that's a belief system too. You're taking a leap just like we are. So don't sit there and say that you're not taking a leap. You're taking a leap too. Anyway. All right. All right. I'll stop. Okay. Maybe it's a limitation, God's it. Maybe it's a limitation that won't go away. And God's saying, you know what, this is something you got to deal with. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's an empty seat that is going to be around the table tomorrow or Christmas Day. Is there going to be an empty seat? And that's hard for you to accept. At the end of the day, though, you know what? Sometimes God does not ask our opinion, and we're finite human beings, and we don't understand everything. But God says, please, will you just trust me in the midst of this, that I know the plans that I have for you, and it may look like in the beginning they're not good, but ultimately at the end of the day they are. And here is Joseph. He takes Mary home. He fully obeys, even though he doesn't fully understand. And this is one piece. It's never preached on Christmas. You ready for this? Ready for this? This is cool. Ready? I want you to see how far Joseph takes this. Look what it says in Mark 3. It's Mark 6.3. I'll go quick on this. But this is one of my favorite parts of the Christmas story, and it's never talked about. Isn't this the carpenter? I had a theology professor that brought this out almost 20 years ago, and I never forgot it. And then I always said, man, that's going to be in sermons one day. And this is what the text said. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James? Joseph, Judas, and Simon aren't his sisters here with us, and they took offense at him. Where is he, first of all? He's in his hometown. He's in Nazareth. So they're saying, can can anything good come from Nazareth? This Really, this guy? So look where I underline. Isn't this Mary's son? This is so telling because in ancient Hebrew culture, for him to say that it was always, you were the son of your father. We don't know if Joseph is deceased at this point, but this is akin to, in our culture, in English, disparaging a woman, saying the kid is the son of A and fill in the blank. That's in essence what the Bible is saying. So here it's saying Jesus, the son of Mary, that Joseph took this so far that his reputation is tattered. Can you really, Joseph? He's one of the heroes of the story. Let's give him a little more respect. He took this all the way. When Jesus was growing up, there were whispers. That's Mary and Joseph's kid. But we kind of read the story and just think everything was great. Like I told you last week, what it was like in, in, in Bethlehem. The slaughter of the innocents. How come the story has been sanitized? The Christmas story has been stolen. Let's get it back. Isn't that wild to see that? And then we know Joseph is amazing, but his ankles didn't swell. His belly didn't grow. We got to talk about Mary. And this is what the Bible says about Mary. Ready? 
It says in 120, 29, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting would this be? Look what it says at first. She is troubled. But Mary, the angel just said, you're highly favored. How can you be troubled? An angel has visited you and said, you're highly favored. This is crazy. They're going to put you on one of those wedding TV shows. They're going to pay for everything, right? They're going to pay for everything. They're going to pay for the cake. They're going to pay for the venue. They're going to pay for it all. Mary, come on. You're going to be excited about this. But that's not Mary's reaction. Mary is troubled. And can I give you something else too? I'm thinking about this. Did you ever notice? All week I'm thinking about this. Why doesn't the angel just come to Joseph and Mary together? Why doesn't the angel just skip? Listen, go to both of them at the same time. You're going to help their relationship. What do you think those fights were like at first? Right, come on. What do you think that was like? Oh, they didn't fight. They never talked about it. They just said, yeah, this is great. Let's just go ahead with it and just move ahead. This is, this is totally normal. You're kidding yourself because we need to have our own encounter with the Lord. Each one of us needs to have our own encounter with the Lord. We can't take somebody else's encounter. So God says, I have to meet with you, Joseph. And Mary, I have to meet with you. And I'm going to meet with you on separate occasions because I want you to experience me for yourself. You ask God, if God hasn't revealed, you say, God, you know what? I want you to reveal yourself to me. And watch what he'll do. Test him and see. Test him and see. And then you go down. Look what it says in in verse 30 to 33. Verses 30 to 33. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And I say to you, there's something that Mary had to birth. And I'm asking you this Christmas, is there something that you have to birth? Is there something that's kicking around inside of you? Is there something that you've neglected? Is it a vision that God put in your heart and you've neglected it? Is it a dream that you've kind of just given up on and God says, you know what? I want you to pick that dream back up this year. Is it a calling? Is it something that you've been running away from? Is it a business? I don't know what the opportunity is, but I know that there's probably something that God has birthed inside of you and it wants to come out. And God's saying, this is the time, this is the anointed, appointed time for things to happen in your life. And I want to know, do you believe it? Do you believe that there's something really inside of you that God wants to do and maybe you neglected, but we need to push through. We need to push through all of the doubt. We need to push through all of the questions. We need to push through addiction. We need to push through abuse. We need to keep moving forward and stop saying all those things. It's a new time. It's a new day. Glad you're with me, church. Glad you're with me. And then 34 and 35, I love, look at Mary's response, y'all. Look at Mary's response. Ready? How will this be? How is her first response? How quickly we move past that when we read this story. How will this be? Mary knows how you have babies. How am I pregnant? Joseph and I have been keeping it real. We've never done anything in the Camelac. We've always kept it clean. How did this happen? This doesn't make any sense. How, 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 Lord, how could this be? And I love her honest doubt. 
She's honest. Honest doubt. By the way, too, stop. We, we, you know, we talk about, you know, somebody can be honest. Oh, they're, you know, honest. And they're, they're blind with their faith. You can be blind with your doubt, too. Just throwing that in there. I'm just throwing a lot at you today. And you know what? It's a good starting place to say how. How could this be? How could this be, Lord? How could this gift come here? I don't understand this. Who, me? Why? How could this be? Look at me. I'm so ordinary. I'm a peasant. I'm on the lowest rung on the socioeconomic you know, ladder. How could this be? How could you pick me? You must have the wrong person. It must be somebody else. But the greatest gifts are on the other side of our questions. The greatest gifts in life a lot of time are on the other side of the question. But we stop at the question and we don't seek it out. You know what I want us to do this year, Steve? Why don't we feed our faith? Because in my own life, when I feed my faith, it starves my doubts. When I feed my faith, it starves my doubts. Feed them, baby. Feed them good this year. Like you're going to feed your body this Christmas. You feed your faith. Man, it's a good starting place, but we can't stop there. And then look what it says. Look what it says in 36 and 37. Even Elizabeth, your relative, the angel talking back, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. If Mary had not been obedient, we wouldn't have one of the greatest verses in the entire Bible. If Mary said, this isn't true, I'm not going with it, I'm going to sit in my doubt, I'm not going to go ahead and trust God, even though I don't understand. And sometimes as Christians, when we walk, we don't see, we don't fully understand, but we have to trust. I said to you Mother Teresa's name before. Now I'm just, I'm all over the place today. I hope this kind of makes some sort of sense. Do you know Mother Teresa? You know, posthumously, they, they, um, they, they released all of her letters against her will. A book came out a couple of years ago. Oh my gosh. She talks about having not experienced the real presence or feeling God with her for 50 years. Only a five week window of time. No wonder she didn't want that to get out. But you know what? When I read something like that, I said, wow, if that could happen to Mother Teresa, that could happen to anyone. And she continued to be faithful, even though she didn't understand everything. And that's what this woman does in this story. And that's what we're to do. Come on, church. Come on, church. Even when we don't understand everything, we have to be faithful and understand that change creates pain. Change creates pain a lot of times. Is it easy if you lose your job and you got to go somewhere else and you got to start all over again? No, it doesn't. It's not easy. You lose somebody, you lost somebody this last year and getting used to not having them around a table, oh, that's not easy. I talked to somebody this morning, even before I came in here, and they lost somebody. They lost a child this past year. And my heart all morning, it just went out to them, this couple and their family. And I said, this isn't going to be a Christmas that they, they dreamed of and envisioned. It's not what they hoped for. How about a little perspective? Last year I told us to reframe Christmas. Can we look at our problems from God's perspective and how small they are? Can we stop complaining about things when they don't go our way? Man, we always complain. You walked in here on two feet. I think the most, most of us did. And we can see and we can talk and we can hear. And there's so many people that can't. 
Man, God, God is good. Give him a hand. God is good. He is good. You are a good God. And not one word from him will fail. And I love it. And I, I showed it to you earlier. When you look at Matthew's gospel, look what it says in Hebrews 13, 8. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Did you know what? That even though we live in a world where our circumstances change, we worship a God who is changeless. We worship a God that does not change. He's the same yesterday. He's the same today. And he's going to be the same tomorrow and the day after that and the month after that. And 10,000 million years from now, he is going to be the same. This is Christmas preaching, people. He's not going to change. Did you know, I didn't put this up. Do you know what Galatians 4, it says that he came in the fullness of time. He came, God sent in his son. It was the perfect time. You ready for this? Can I read you something? I just threw this in this morning. I love the morning that I get to preach the Christmas sermon because I just let God move me all over the place. God, do whatever you want. And there was a guy, his name, this is a couple years ago, Nathan Lane Craig. How many of you know his name? He is a philosopher. He is a theologian. He is one of the most brilliant people on the planet. And he was debating, um, he was debating Christopher Hitchens who passed away a couple years ago. He's one of the foremost, most prolific atheists. He was in the country. He wrote a book, God is Not Great. And uh, he said this in, in, his, in the debate. He said, human beings have existed for thousands of years on this planet before Christ's coming. But what's really crucial here is not the time involved. Rather, it's the population of the world. Get this, y'all. The Population Reference Bureau estimates the number of people who have ever lived on the planet, 105 billion people, only 2% of them were born prior to the advent of Christ. Let me say that again. Only 2% of them were born prior to the advent of Christ. God's timing could not have been any more perfect. Christ showed up just before the exponential explosion in the world's population. God knew the exact time to send in his son. When the fullness of time came, he sent in his son. I don't know, man. We, it's Christmas, and I'm looking at that tree. We have an evergreen God, and we are rooted in the soil of his love. We have an evergreen God, and we're rooted in the soil of his love. Music team, why don't you come up? I've said a lot. I've got to close. You all have places to go to. You've got, you got things to do. Some of you have to do some of your Christmas shopping, not me. I killed it this year. I killed it this year. Right? How many of you, t- are you sick of watching some of the Christmas movies like Elf? And- Don't be a cotton-headed ninny muggins. Just pretend. Come on, man. Just humor me. Right? But I know you have things to do. So as the music team comes up here and they start to sing, listen, I want to throw this out, though. Listen, for anybody that listened to this message this morning, this may be the time. You know, we say this. I'm not a, I'm not a fire and brimstone preacher. I, I, I never will be. But at the end of the day, the Bible is pretty clear that there is in reality, there's a heaven and that there's a hell and, there, and hell is a place, you know, we always look at all oh, the fire and the brimstone, but listen to me, the Bible is pretty clear. God loves people so much. He says, if you don't want to be with me and accept the salvific work of my son, Jesus Christ on that cross, by all means, I've given you, it's, it's volitional. Love is, I can't force you to do it. But if you don't want to be with me forever, I love you and I'm, I, I made you in my image, but I love you so much, I'm going to let you live that way. 
And maybe you have some doubts here this morning. I don't need that back. Thank you. Maybe you have some doubts. That's okay. You're in the right place. And the God that we, the God that I know says with open arms, bring all of your doubts, bring all of your questions. But the offer still stands from 2000 years ago. He loved us so much that the same God that came into the world and was helpless. And I said it last week, but if you don't mind, I'm going to repeat it. But God came in and his back was put on the wood of a manger and he was helpless. But that same God, Jesus Christ, the incarnation, Jesus goes to a cross and his back is put on the wood of a cross because of how much he loves us. Listen to me. Listen, listen. I don't know how many more Christmases we have, but I'm throwing this out there. I'm throwing it out strong. If you are not right with Jesus Christ, let's all bow our heads. Let's all bow our heads as a church. No one's looking around. Please, may this be a sacred moment right now between you and God. And if that's you, you just repeat after me to yourself. You can say it to yourself. Lord Jesus, I believe that I am indeed a sinner. I believe that you died for me on Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago. And I accept what you did on that cross, that it's final, regardless of what I've done in the past, that I can be accepted and loved by you today. And to know you right now that you may know that the angels in heaven are rejoicing as you say those words. And I believe there are people that have not been in church. I believe there are people that you have been far from God. And guess what? That's okay. God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you way too much to leave you that way. God says, I have some things I want to change in you. I'm not mad at you that you haven't been in church. I love you with an unfailing love. I just want more of you. And I want you to see the dire hour and the day in which we live. And I want to have a relationship with you. And I want you to respond because I don't know how many more opportunities you're going to get. Amen. You can, you can open your eyes now. There's a guy, Will Williman, Duke University. He was at a... He was, you mind if I share this last story? Again, I wasn't going to share this with you. I got so much. When you're a preacher, it's like putting a puzzle together every week. And man, I just, ow, I just go for it. And then you don't know. What are you taking, God? What are you going to take? And I read this story. I thought it was pretty amazing that he was, uh, he was at a funeral. And the preacher, he was with his wife. And the preacher got up and he gave a real strong fire and brimstone message. And he walked out and he was disgusted. Willman was so disgusted. He's like, can you believe what he said? And then he's telling people they're going to go to hell. And then he went on and on and on. And then his wife looked at him and said, you know what? It was disgusting. But at the end of the day, it was true. And he shut up. And he was so convicted in his spirit because the guy was actually preaching the gospel. He was giving them the truth. I'm, I don't get, I'm never this strong. I'm strong today because I know what time we're living in. Why are we just messing around? How come I'm not going to see some of you for the next two months? How about coming next week? If you're a Christian or you don't know God that well, guess what? Next week's for you. I got a lot of good stuff as you exit 2018 and as you enter 2019. And then as we move ahead, please, please, Hear the clarion call from this pulpit today. Hear it. And remember, listen, I, I don't know if my spirit, I, I hope my spirit was right today. And usually I say these things privately, maybe to the other pastors. 
But please hear my heart. I love you. And I talked a lot about doubt today. Listen to me. I love you. If you have questions, you may have questions on carbon dating. You may have questions on evolution. Really good questions. But how come we never say, you know what? Can we give faith the benefit of the doubt? Can we give our, we give our doubts the benefit of the doubt and the courtesy to believe them? Can we give our faith the benefit of the doubt sometimes? That's all I'm asking for this Christmas that you'd really do a little research and you'd dig and you'd explore and you'd see this God. You know why I'm so, I, I trust him because for me, it's foundational. I had my questions like some of you did, do. I had my questions. I was in world religion classes, undergrad. I was looking at Buddhism. I was looking at all different religions and I'm like, how do I know this is true? And I came back to the gospel because I know it's true. Did my homework and research. And if you want any books, you want any books? I'll throw a litany of books at you from really smart people or people that just break it down like Lee Strobel, A Case for Christ, Case for Faith. I'll give you whatever you want. I'll talk to you. Let me know if you have real questions. I don't have all the answers. Remember, this is not the answer club. We don't, nobody has all the answers. If somebody has all the answers, run, <laughs> run away. I've met some of the Christians. My parents have put me around some crazy people in my life. I mean, I'm, no, 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 no. Crazy. Like crazy, like, all right, like, mom, this is great, but I'm going to leave right now. I'm going to go. This conference was really cool, but some of the people are really nuts. You know what I'm talking about? Let's stand up on our feet. Let's stand up on our feet. Let's stand up on our feet. Let's give a praise to our God this morning. Let's give a praise to our God. What God does this? What God comes down like this? Only our God. No other religion does this. Our God comes in a manger wrapped in something that if you walk past it, it looks so common, you would miss it. I love preaching the Christmas message. Lord, thank you for your people, Father. Lord, I ask that you would anoint these words, Lord, and they would stay with your people as they leave. Father, for those people that are doubting, for those people that are skeptical, that they would say this is a place they felt welcomed and that they can go on with their doubts. But I hope, Lord, that they don't stop at dead ends. I hope they keep moving in their faith. Come on, Steve, what do you got for us? Mary, did you, hey, you know what? We always sing this song, Mary, did you know? She knew. She knew. Let's sing it like we've never sang it before. Let's raise the roof on this place, right? Don't get all stuffy. Come on, y'all. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.